friends. Welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you all for another episode. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas, and whether it was in person or via Zoom or FaceTime, I hope you were able to spend some time with family and loved ones this week. As we close out 2020 and look ahead to 2021, there's no guest on the show this week. We've already recorded five episodes for 2021, which I'm so excited to share with you all starting in January. But this week, I just wanted to take some time to share some thoughts that I've had on my heart this year and just sort of reflect on 2020. This year has been a bear, without question. I don't know what you've dealt with in 2020, but I know you've dealt with something. We all have. We've all experienced suffering and pain, some of us in ways we could never have imagined. The loss and isolation we felt at times was unlike anything we've experienced in some time. For some, this might have genuinely been the worst year of your life. As we get closer and closer to the new year, or maybe you've already started to see this, your social media will probably be filled with people talking about how they're ready to end this quote-unquote dumpster fire of a year and welcome in a new year. This happens every single year. We get to the end of the year and people are ready to throw the current year away and welcome in a new one. You've heard me say it before, but the phrase dumpster fire, especially in this context, has become somewhat of a pet peeve of mine. It just seems like an overwrought, low-hanging fruit way to describe a bad year, especially one like 2020. We know the reality is that every year for the rest of our lives will bring heartache, suffering, pain, and sadness. Just because the calendar switches over to January 2021, that doesn't mean COVID-19 or any other horrible thing about 2020 will just magically disappear. Some of you are still in the thick of whatever it is you've been going through. That won't go away just because the calendar says it's a new year. So why are we always so ready to turn the calendar to welcome a new year? I'm naturally an idealistic person, a dreamer, if you will. And the idea of a new year, a fresh start, a new beginning is always exciting to me. It feels like a clean slate, a chance to start over, and there are no blemishes. I love journaling my goals and plans for the new year and dreaming about what I could accomplish over the next 365 days. It's sort of a superficial feeling of grace that allows us to mentally leave whatever we want behind in a previous year, keep it in a box, and open up a fresh new box. So from that perspective, I totally get the excitement of a new year. Not only do we love a fresh start, but some of us have a propensity to avoid pain or just leave it all behind. But when we do this, naturally we are discounting both the pain and the joys that shaped us into who we are as we enter the new year. It's okay to be excited about what's to come, but also remember what you've gone through. You don't just have to leave it all behind. I'm convinced God really does have a sense of humor because I've been planning this episode for a little while now, and I mean it when I say I genuinely get irritated when I hear the dumpster fire comment. This week at church, we closed out a sermon series, and you'll never guess what our pastor said happened outside of our church on Christmas Day. A literal dumpster fire. Seriously, the dumpster next to one of our parking lots caught fire. So naturally, he ran with this obvious divine metaphor and described 2020 as a dumpster fire. And I looked at Emily and just rolled my eyes. 
sorry, Greg, I still love you, but you got to know where I'm coming from here. But there really is a scriptural relevance to this. When we approach a fire, we have two choices. We can let it burn us down, or we can let it refine us like fire does for gold. I say we choose the latter. God is capable of using fires like we experienced in 2020 to get our attention. He can use what you might call a dumpster fire for his good. I am a different person at the end of this year in so many better ways than I was when I entered 2020. Without both the good and the bad, there's no possible way I could have grown in the way that I did. Before the calendar turns to 2021, I want to encourage you to spend some time reflecting on your own 2020. The fun times, the joys, the laughter, of course, but also the pain, the sorrow, and the heartache. Journal it, type it out, speak it to a friend, record it on a podcast, write a song about it. Whatever it is you need to do, do it. I have so much to be thankful for this year. My life was changed both in good and bad ways this year, and I'm sure yours was too. And even through it all, God has been faithful. When I reflect on 2020, there are certain moments and seasons that will stand out to me. In January, I was about to quit doing this podcast just 10 episodes in. You've heard me talk about it before on this show, but genuinely, I was pretty close to quitting. I think in my mind, I was simply being too impatient and, quite frankly, greedy that my downloads and follows weren't as high as some others I compared my show to. But I remember the day very vividly. I was talking to my wife about whether or not I should quit the show. And later that day, I interviewed Jason Romano for my podcast. Jason is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. And off air, he spoke with me about writing for Sports Spectrum. This was something that I honestly hoped would happen, but definitely wasn't expecting. I'd been in contact with Jason the previous summer and nothing really came of it. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, but when we talked, he said, hey, what would you think about writing for Sports Spectrum? That connection with Jason led to pretty steady writing for their website and magazine this year and also helped me land interviews with former NFL quarterback and current ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky and former St. Louis Cardinals star Matt Holliday for this podcast. As a sports fan, those will always be two of my favorite interviews, especially Matt Holliday. Go Cardinals. On January 4th, I'll start working officially for Sports Spectrum as a podcast producer and writer, which will include producing Matt and his wife Leslie's show. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that at some point in my life I would be producing Matt Holliday's podcast, but that's how God works. He works in crazy, mysterious, and awesome ways. The night everything started to shut down in mid-March, Emily and I were in Louisville to see my buddy Jake Triplett do stand-up comedy with Trey Kennedy, and little did we know, but that was going to be the last show that we'd be able to see this year. Jake went to dinner with us after the show, and we watched the TVs and saw as college basketball teams played their last games of the season, and NBA player Rudy Gobert announced that he tested positive for COVID-19, which effectively put the NBA season and every other sports league on hold. For me, that meant no baseball to watch, no NCAA basketball tournament, and no Masters golf tournament to watch. It also meant my final season coaching tennis at a program I'd put my heart and soul into was canceled. No baseball, no college basketball, no pro golf. I could handle that, but not being able to have a proper goodbye with my program at Wrights High School in Evansville, 
especially the six senior girls who'd been staples on my team since their freshman year, was extremely hard. I had them all on the podcast back in May to give them some sort of a senior night and allow us, myself included, some closure on that season of life. It was cathartic, but I'm not sure that I will ever be fully at peace with not having that final season with them. When quarantine hit, with no sports or other things going on, Emily and I spent almost every day going on a walk around our neighborhood or to downtown Bowling Green. We tried to do this without phones, and it was so nice to experience life without distractions for a while. Those simple moments when life felt like it was slow to a crawl are moments I'm not sure we'll ever get back, meaning I don't know that we'll ever get to experience anything like that again. So I'm grateful that Emily and I took advantage of that and cherished those moments. I look back on that season, and it to me feels like just such a sweet time in my marriage with Emily because we were able to spend just about every day fully together when we were both working at home. And it was so beautiful to just be together all the time. And I think it was so important for us as we welcomed in the next season, which we had no idea was going to hit us. But the start of the summer brought with it a massive season of pain for our family, the wake of which we are still dealing with. It's something I cannot go into much detail about, but just know that it was heavy, heavy pain. Comforting Emily as she cried without being able to provide answers was extremely hard, but that season truly refined us as a couple. I learned how strong Emily is this year and how much stronger I am with her by my side. I've said it many times before, marriage is not hard, life is hard. Never did I believe that more than this year. Trying to navigate 2020 on my own without her would have been indescribably more difficult, and I'm glad I could be there for her in the midst of all the pain. I think for the rest of our marriage, I will always look back on this year and this season of life to feel like this was really the season that, I don't want to say that we were tested, because there was never any issues between Emily and me, but we definitely had to be there for each other in heavy, heavy amounts of pain. And I know that whatever we go through, we know that we can go through it together. And that's why I'm so able to believe that marriage itself is not hard. Life is hard. But I would much rather do these seasons of life with her by my side than try to do them on my own. When we moved to Bowling Green in October 2019, I genuinely did not want to get back into teaching. I talked about this on an earlier podcast, but part of it, I think, was still dealing with the burnout from how busy I was at my last job. But the other part was wanting to feel like I could freely pursue my creative endeavors. I'm grateful for the year I had away from teaching as it taught me so much about where and in what I place my identity, but I felt a calling to go back into the classroom this year, and thankfully God opened a door at a school here in Bowling Green that I'm so grateful to be at. I love my colleagues, the administration, the students, and the community. Fast forward a little bit further into summer, and I got to see my parents on Father's Day, and I gifted my dad tickets for him and I to see the Chicago Bears play the Tennessee Titans in Nashville in November. I didn't realize that that would be the last time that I'd get to see my parents in person in 2020. And to make matters worse, the Titans refunded my tickets because of COVID attendance regulations. The Bears played horrible that game, like literally did not score a single point for three quarters, so it's probably for the best that we didn't end up going. 
but I missed out on so much time with my dad and the rest of my family. I haven't seen my sister and her family since February, and the only time I've seen my grandmother lately was a short, sterile, 15-minute visitation outside of her nursing home when I went to visit her for her 90th birthday back in early December. My sister organized something that got all sorts of people, even those who didn't even know my grandmother, to send her a birthday card. The home where she lives is following very strict COVID protocols, understandably so, but we didn't even get to stay long enough to see her open any of those cards or enjoy the birthday cake. I get it, but it sucks. It just sucks. If you have a grandparent or an elderly person that you're close to, I'm sure you can relate. It's just been incredibly difficult to be able to visit with them and see them. And my heart breaks for just their emotions and their mental health because so many of them are just not even able to do basic things like go outside or be around anybody. And it's just so harmful to them. And knowing that that's kind of the life that my grandmother has lived for most of this year is incredibly difficult to swallow. Something else I think we can all relate to and I hope that we were shaped by is the racial injustice events that played out for most of the summer and into the fall. We've unfortunately seen similar events play out just about every year. An unarmed black person is killed by a police officer. Riots happen, and it feels like the country sort of goes back to its ways. Maybe it was because of the pandemic and we didn't have our usual distractions, or maybe we were already in a certain frame of mind, but it seemed like we finally, as a country, started to wake up some when these events happened this summer. The truth is a lot of people didn't like the violent protests that they were seeing on TV, not because they were violent, but because they couldn't ignore them. They were forced to sit with their implications. They were forced to encounter their own privilege or worse, their own prejudices. It's a whole lot easier to pretend an issue doesn't exist when the protests are peaceful and don't disrupt your privileged life. And I promise I'm not trying to make this political or make a statement about anything, but when I look back at 2020, I feel like the racial injustice protests and riots, if you will, even, I think are going to shape our memory of this year. And if you were bothered by what you saw as it relates to the racial justice protests, Consider how it must feel to experience generations of targeted abuse and discrimination. You think those protests are disruptive and inconvenient? My heart is broken that in 2020, people can still hold some angry feelings towards someone with a different color of skin. It breaks my heart that our black brothers and sisters have to remind us that they matter. I think one of the realest things ever spoken on this podcast came from poet Lo Alleman, who was my guest on episode 54, where we talked about his new book of poems, We Sang a Dirge. One thing he spoke about was how important it is, as we come out of this season, to make sure that our social circles have some diversity to it. Here's how Lowe put it. It's been a hard year to encourage people to do life with people that they don't naturally do life with, because yeah. you couldn't even do life with people you do life with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, the pandemic, I hope, has at least given us a heart to say, yeah, we're never going back to being isolated again. Absolutely. Um, 
However you decide to go back into being relational, I would encourage that you don't just be relational with folks that look like you, think like you, vote like you. Um, how you do that, I have no clue. Uh, but I think that, that's the need, that we actually do life well with the Father and we do life well with community, as community actually is. Well, imagine when everybody says they want to, I wrote a poem about this called 20, like when people are desiring to go back to normal, uh, they really mean that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. When they say I miss the community, they mean they miss the people that they were doing life with. Yeah. Um, and I think what I'm hoping again is trying to tap into that imagination, trying to tap into that emotive place where it's like maybe, maybe we we were actually longing for something back there that we didn't know we were longing for. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe what we how we define community in the past should we shouldn't go back to that. Yeah. Um, but to imagine and hope for a new kind of future, a new kind of community. For many of you, you've experienced a lot of this same stuff, but then you add on top of that the death of loved ones. COVID-19 has killed over 300,000 Americans this year alone, which is insane to me. There's a good chance that you know someone or were close with someone who died from COVID-19. My wife's grandfather passed away earlier this fall. He struggled with Alzheimer's for the last several years, but he contracted COVID-19 and that accelerated his health decline. Many of you had empty seats at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and many of you, like me, were unable to see your family on holidays this year. My 2020 might look a little different than yours. My fires might look different, but I want you to know, I get it. I'm hurting too. But I've seen God working through it all. We sang the song, Goodness of God, at church on the final Sunday of 2020, and I was struck by how fitting it felt. This is a song Emily and I have been clinging to this year. If you're not familiar with the song, the chorus goes like this. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Even when we don't see it, God is working. As we enter this new year, I want to challenge you to really trust God. Friends, I have seen in my own life what God can do when you just go to Him in prayer. He might not always answer it the way you want Him to answer it, but God will answer your prayer for what's best according to His will. But He also might just do some miraculous things. When you pray for a job, God might bring a career. When you pray for a companion, God might bring a spouse. But He also might be telling you to wait And while that's probably hard to hear right now, trust that God is working. In other words, find contentment in the waiting, as it says in Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Chris Renzema's music has really resonated with me and my wife through the various seasons and emotions of this year. He's an incredible lyricist, and his album title, Let the Ground Rest, which came out earlier in 2020, seemed like the perfect soundtrack to navigate this crazy year. Just as a seed is planted and needs time to grow into a harvest, sometimes so do our prayers. I love how he paints this image in the album's title track, Let the Ground Rest. So, oh, just let the ground rest, because if it's not right now, it's for the best. You're going to grow. I know this. But for now, just let the ground rest. The song continues with the beautiful line where he says, 
Flowers only grow once they've tasted rain. We need to allow time for the harvest. Maybe you need to welcome the rain. We have the confidence that the seed that God plants will grow as long as we tend to it. He promises us that, and God never backs down from his promises. Hebrews 6, 13 through 16 says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. We don't know when our seasons of suffering will end, but we do know that they will end. God has already promised us that. Everything on this earth has an expiration date, even our pain. I spent the last few years examining the idea of suffering and what the Bible says about it. It's one of the hardest concepts for us to wrap our head around, and it's one of the main reasons people turn away from God. I think we all need to shift our focus and adjust our lenses on how we look at suffering. When sin entered this world, suffering became inevitable. There's no way any human before us or after us could avoid suffering. But the beautiful truth here is that at this very moment, in the midst of your pain and suffering that 2020 has caused, God has never been closer than he is right now. He fully understands what it's like to lose someone, to feel pain. God is God, yes, but he was fully man as Jesus on this earth. Jesus himself suffered and felt all the emotions we feel and even asked God to deliver him from the agony and pain he was feeling. But we can learn from what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He drew near to God in his suffering and prayed that if he would not deliver him from it, to let his will be done. Draw near to God in your suffering. Rely on his strength to deliver you from this season and trust that God will take you through it. Allow the words of Psalm 23:4 to comfort you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pastor Greg preached on this earlier this year, and the most important word of that verse, he said, is through. We don't stay in the suffering. We don't remain there. We pass through it, even the fire. Goodness of God continues like this in the next verse. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God through the fire. I'll admit that it's hard at times to feel like God is truly working. There were plenty of times in 2020 where all I could do is ask why, but I still cling to God and believe in his goodness because it's the only way for me to have hope amidst the pain. My relationship with God is so much stronger now than it was a year ago, and it's because I'm finally understanding what it means to surrender and give all my trust to Jesus. I know whatever pain you're in the middle of as we close out 2020 might feel like there's no end in sight to it. I know it can be hard to hold on to hope, but I also know that God's promises are true, and he never goes back on his promises. He promised to deliver us long before he ordained any of this to happen. 
Recently, Spotify released the top songs playlist for its users, and my number one song was Springtime by Chris Renzema. The entire song is beautiful. And basically, if you have not added Chris Renzema to your regular listening, do that immediately after you're done listening to this. But the chorus of the song goes like this. We will sing a new song because death is dead and gone with the winter. We will sing a new song. Let hallelujahs flow like a river. We're coming back to life, reaching towards the light. Your love is like springtime. He later paints the image of God tending to the soil of our soul to let it grow. When things feel barren, keep tending. Keep relying on God to help you grow and blossom out of the dead ground. Keep reaching toward the light. Spring will come. He will make all things new again. You might still feel like this year was a dumpster fire, but you have gone through it. God has led you through the fire. As you enter a new year, I pray you don't forget the work God did in you and through you this year, even in the times when it felt impossible to see it. Friends, I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this journey in 2020 and supporting me in this show all year. You are the reason I do this show, and I hope the conversations we've had on here have brought value to your life. I'm so excited about where this show is headed in 2021, and I can't wait to continue bringing more amazing conversations with incredible people. I am thankful that sports did eventually come back, and I want to thank the St. Louis Cardinals, the Chicago Bears, and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers for helping me get through this fall with something to root for. Somehow, my Bears are back in the hunt for the playoffs, so... I'm grateful for that. I also want to thank my lovely wife, Emily, for supporting me in this show and all of my many creative endeavors. She's been an incredible soundboard for me this year, and her feedback is invaluable. Friends, if you need me at all, you can find me at Cole Claiborne on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on Facebook as well at Cole Douglas Claiborne. Please do not hesitate to reach out if you need anything at all. Stay safe, have a happy new year, and find some time to relax and not be in a hurry as we welcome in 2021. I love you all.